Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, <laughs> this sort of thing, she made an appearance. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh! AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a big quiz, of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by hamlet and sidgwick to review monday night raw and i don't know whether it's because i had a really good night's sleep and woke up and remembered today's the what culture christmas party but i quite enjoyed raw last night it is by some distance and i love that we're getting to say this in 2021 loads better than smackdown <laughs> monday night raw is loads better than smackdown the literal no offense well born red-headed stepchild of the mm-hmm. wwe has suddenly become the favorite son yet again and if we didn't already know this by just watching the show, we know it by Vince McMahon himself, who has seen it upon himself not to appear on his own billion-dollar wrestling show, but really get his kicks out on Monday night somehow. Raw, it's not great. It's not. It barely even scratches good, but it has become oddly watchable in a way that the good wrestling show cannot summon at the moment. I don't know how this has happened. They are doing things in December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, well... Grading against the curve, that's got to be quite good. <laughs> that's my take. Yeah, it's, it was, you know, a show and they built nicely. They had a pre-advertised main event. Like, it, we very much giving Second them... week in a row, is yeah. it? Yeah. Ruffling their hair. They oh, opened, opened with a bloody steel cage match, which we will talk about. But they built throughout the show. They even had a video package hyping up Liv Morgan. And they didn't screw her too badly or screw the fans, really, whatsoever in terms of that. Because, you know... Yes, she lost. Yes, shenanigans. But at least it wasn't a DQ or a bloody count out. Well, we'd had two count outs on the show, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. That's it. It was not like it's not as bad as it could have been. That's basically how we're grading Monday Night Raw now. Anyway, let, let's start at the let's beginning of the show. Describe the lower bar before we explain on the show. <laughs> very gingerly stepped over it. <laughs> uh, so we open uh, with a recap of what happened last week. Kevin Owens outsmarting Seth Rollins, etc. Uh, and Seth Rollins is. Seth Rollins then welcomes us to Monday Night Rollins and says he's looking forward to watching Big E and Kevin Owens straight off in the steel cage match. They're going to tear each other apart and then he's going to win the WWE 
WWE Championship at day one. Cut to Big E, and he said, oh, Owens, this is it tonight. You get punished. There's no shortcuts tonight. And I thought, well, that's a man who's not going to be trying to leave the steel cage to win. And then uh, <laughs> Kevin Owens said, Big E's a liar. The WWE Championship doesn't belong to Big E. It belongs to him, and he was going to win the title at day one, and everyone would, would rejoice. Usual sort of standard opening promo battle fair to introduce the match, which was the steel cage match, which I think we called uh, potentially opening the show yesterday. It was either this or the, the women's title. Um, it was a long old steel cage match. And if I'm perfectly honest, it was a lot of things that we've seen before, but I'll go through it regardless. Um, Owens constantly tries to leave immediately, which makes sense because he's a bit of a coward and he's a bit of a weasel in this current form. Big E stops him, though, takes over, but then as uh, Big E's charging at him as he's up against the steel cage, Owens dodges it, and uh, Big E goes headfirst into it to take us into our first commercial break. Uh, when we come back, again, Owens tries to leave, but Big E stops him, so Owens responds, having been pulled down onto the ropes, he was trying to climb out with a moonsault off the top rope, which I thought looked really nice. Uh, Big E then starts hoying Owens into the cage, and then he tried to leave through the door. Baby face move that, Sige. I hate it. He did say want to punish Owens. I assume that meant just... Winning. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's Owens... It's the equivalent, to be fair, of winning with a roll-up, which is a wrestling move, but has been framed as a cheap act. Mm. They've done that in reverse. The cage matches... Like when, when, when Drew won with a backslide. Yeah, you're supposed to win, but it's impossible to look at this as anything other than a cheap way to do it. Uh, anyway, so they are they're battling on the top rope. Owens hits a nice sunset flip power bomb for a near fall. Big E comes back with those belly to belly suplexes that I never get tired tired of. And uh, Owens super kicks him and then uh, hits him with a cannonball for a two count. Uh, Owens puts him in effectively the walls of Jericho. They call it a Boston crap though. Um, Big E pulls himself towards the door and they're right there. And then I got the spot that I always like, which is both men leaning out the door. Seth Rollins runs up and slams the cell door into their heads uh, to take them both down. Uh, once they both recovered, again, Owens tries to leave. Big E stops him, but Owens rakes his eyes and hits a frog splash for a two count. Big E comes back to, uh, with a two count off the back of an STO, uh, and then Owens goes for that stunner of his. Big E blocks it, but then runs straight into a pop-up powerbomb for a nice near fall. Big E uh, stops Owens from climbing out yet again, pulls him into position, hits a lovely-looking big ending uh, off the uh, turnbuckle. Owens tries desperately to stop Big E from escaping, but he climbs out through the door, celebrates, then immediately gets jumped by Seth Rollins. Uh, but Rollins fights back. Uh, sorry, uh, Big E fights back and hits an overhead suplex on Rollins, takes out Owens with another big ending, and then we find out during the commercial break, Bobby Lashley came down and wrecked everyone. Um, Hamlet, your thoughts on this steel cage first match, because I know you weren't a fan, first of all. A, cr a criminal allocation of time, but then this is Monday Night Raw. They've got three hours to fill, and they've not been afraid of using long matches just for the sake of that, rather than because of any artistic integrity. This was a good match as designed by a bot, effectively. <laughs> um, literally, if you believe the Andrew Dice Clay's theory about Vince McMahon at this point being a series of Crichton heads, they have done this type of thing on house shows for decades. They have done return matches at Madison Square Garden and sold that building out with this exact structure and template. Um, the theoretical headliners having a theoretical big-time match, um, but we were just presenting it on television, and it none of it was bad. It's kind of immune to real deep-rooted criticism because all of it was well-worked. It was a, a night's hard graft 
for Big E and Kevin Owens oh. and, all, and all that patronising guff. But it, you just, I don't know, you're immune to feeling unless this is the first wrestling show you've ever watched. And if anybody is listening to this, like, there's better out there, I promise you. If this is your first ever wrestling show, <laughs> you're in for a hell of a Just stick around for Wednesday, you're in for a hell of a week. But, like, yeah, it, like, having done so much of this throughout our lives, I just thought it was impossible to feel anything for it. I could feel it happening before it did, no matter how much it appeared to hurt. And just too long for that, for that lack of emotion. This was so long and not draining, but sapping of any kind of, I don't know, any kind of enthusiasm for a program that already feels like it's just happening for happening's sake. Love the Bobby Lashley. Like, yeah, that got post, me very excited. Post break beatdown. Um, don't care if they make it a four way. No. Just, just like looking at Bobby Lashley. And <sighs> like, I, I welcome him back. He feels. He does feel like a big star, I think. Yeah. You know what I would do, right? You know, in, like, video games, there's such a thing called a speed run where you can identify flaws in the code of the game to advance through it as quickly as possible. And there are... There's a certain community out there who will just find every glitch in the code and win a game in, like, seven seconds or something or like, like that. Or, like, that bit on Rainbow Road where you can, like, drive off and... Mm. Yeah. Things like that. I've found one for this... WWE Steel Cage match. Are you ready for this? I would simply position myself in the opposite diagonal corner to the ring post that's next to the cage door. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. Am I effectively painting an image here? So I'm in that corner, right? What I do is I spot my opponent in the middle of the ring. I run up to him. And I'm about to give him a lariat right the side of the head. Yeah? Mm-hmm. This guy is going to do one of two things. He's either going to duck or he's going to get popped in the jaw. Either of these things is good. If he ducks in one swift movement, I just jump through the cage <laughs> door and win. Or I batter him and he's rendered incapacitated and I just walk out. Now, they have to unlock the door, don't they? Right? So it's going to add... It's like a pretty much a revolving door last night, but yeah. yes. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm trying to give them some credit for my analogy that rubbish is it. <laughs> <laughs> so if they are taking their time, going bron break over this friggin' door, and my opponent recuperates, thrust cake, <laughs> door open. I've won. I've won. I've simply won. Just imagine so what you're saying is, to, to fix this glaring loophole... You need to replace the steel cage match with the obvious replacement. A Punjabi prison match where you can only nominate a door once. So so. Just get rid of the escape rules. Just get rid of the escape rules. <laughs> yeah. Because no escape other than there and over the top, obviously. I'm just imagining the timeline where instead of uh, the young boys going like back in PWG and going, super kick, super kick, super kick, they did the slacker, thrust kick, and that became the thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Thrust kick party. <laughs> like Nobody can be fully arsed, but they sort of drop one behind their back. <laughs> so that's what I would do. Yeah. The reason why I would do it is I would give the audience less time to endure these sorts of matches. The worst thing about a WWE steel cage match, and this was very much just a WWE steel cage match, no one ever denies the effort. We should always make this clear. They're taking bumps. They're working hard. For too many, a few too many minutes, if you ask me, every single week because of the requirement to fulfill the content obligation. The worst thing about the WWE steel cage match, other than the fact that it's illogical as an actual Thing to unfold because you can just poke holes in every bit of it. The worst thing is that because 
it's a strenuous effort to climb, which itself is just a tedious thing to watch unfold. The selling of every single move that does get struck, and it takes ages for them to actually do anything, means that everything's like completely oversold. They oversell everything in a steel cage match as if they are lurking on the margins of a Money in the Bank ladder match when mm. it's not their turn to do a spot. <laughs> but the thing with the Money in the Bank ladder match is that you get to watch cool, risky spots at the same time as people are just selling for way longer than they ordinarily would. And they don't usually make it violent and bloody and exhausting and to the point where I can justify them selling and trying to summon something from the audience because they're bloody plastered and claret and, you know, they're, they're giving their all out there. It's just boring. Mm. I've just realised that's what it is, isn't it? That's Monday Night Raw is the bit in, if you've never seen it, it, it I'm Alan Partridge, uh, where he's done a radio link and he realises there's about 20 seconds to the top of the hour <laughs> till the news and he's got now left, no patter left. So someone tells him a story that he thinks is going to take 40 seconds and it takes 20 seconds and he goes, and the bloke then just goes, bye. Right. <laughs> he wants to put the fader down because he can hear them <laughs> put the phone down. And he goes, oh, 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 hey, I wonder what happened to the US championship, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, roll up. And then that's the, end of, that's the end of the match. I will put Big E over for quoting Robert Tepper. Fan of that. Mm. However, he got it wrong because there was an easy way out. <laughs> it's through a friggin' door. Um, what followed was uh, Queen Zelina and her travelling accent uh, versus Nikki A.S.H. Beforehand, we got a little promo from Queen Zelina to rile up the fans to get them really behind Nikki A.S.H. for this checks notes two minute match. Um, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for garbage comedy, by the way, and I think I like this. She you said, know, they're bollocking them in her actual voice bit. I think that's pretty good. She uh, she says, <laughs> why, why aren't you people cheering? Why would you rather be cheering for that bloody fake superhero? And <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, Nikki A.S.H. <laughs> A succulent <laughs> pro wrestling superhero. Ah, uh, yes. I see you know your superheroes well. Good one. Salutations, Ria. <laughs> I feel sorry for Nikki, in fact. I will send her back to the depths of despair, also known as Memphis. <laughs> I will send you to Jerry Lawler's. <laughs> I wanted to, to just make it perfectly clear, because WWE is not the land of subtlety. I want there to be no... She was only using my telephone. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to... <laughs> <laughs> you to have the full MP voice when she's doing that, and then the full David Arquette. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever the fans boo for it. No in between. Uh, Nikki knocked her down, missed a high crossbody, got hit with the code red, and that was it. That was the match, basically. Uh, it was so funny. Like, <laughs> I know they're advancing a story where Nikki ASD is crying again, <laughs> so she's got like a lack of confidence, and the idea is that. Rhea Ripley's like, come on, you bloody glad. I can't do accents. Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Rhea Ripley's trying to say, hey, win some, lose some. Hey, we lose a lot. But, you know, you win some and you lose a lot. But I'm She's trying to foster some confidence, you might say. Yeah. In six weeks, you're going to tell her to wreck off. So I arrive at this story beat, which suggests that um, one of them's going to turn on the other. Either mm -hmm. Nikki A. Sage decides, oh, I'm going to pin this crap off. What an absolutely useless waste of time this was. And this is our big gambit to come back in front of the crowd. Or Rhea Ripley's going to go, shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then knock her out. Either way, it's just so funny I'm how... I'm it's the latter, to yeah. be honest. How to arrive at the story beat. Zelina Vega had to go, you're an idiot. This is all lame. <laughs> Everyone who supports you is an idiot. 
and I'm going to prove all of this correct by just emphatically ending you in like a minute and a half. Yeah. What's really bad for Nikki as well is like typically the WWE path, as we're now seeing. I feel the, sorry for Nikki here. Yeah. The cut of Kai is that like this tends to be that somebody goes crazy. That's where she started. <laughs> like that was like she went from that to Nikki's crazy again. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's fine. Should she's we super. can we do the two parts together? Because Absolutely they're walking backstage uh, and she's like, come on, chipper. <laughs> Everything's gonna be bonza. When, we, when you start bloody winning again, or you can set fight a costume and make it ashes cricket. Um, she <laughs> says, Wow. <laughs> Shut up. Man. Wow. Shut up, you Anyway, asshole. this fan comes up to her and goes, Oh my God, it's you. Can I get an autograph? And uh, Nikki goes, Oh, yeah. I bloody needed this. And she goes, Not you, you fucking loser. Get out of the way. Jerry Lawler's there. Jerry Lawler shows up. Uh, a huge reaction. They're in Memphis, of course. Uh, gives a fan an autograph and goes, hey, tough loss out there. Do you want an autograph to cheer you up? Nikki leaves. And Lola goes, was there something I said? So the woman goes, yeah, have this piece of paper to put your autograph on. You've just been served. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish to make light of this particular fan's mental health, but I kind of wish it was the guy that was going for Seth Rollins, just spit Jerry Lawler, <laughs> took him out of his goddamn shoes backstage. You think security would be a bit better at this point? Like, they're not on top of this. Why is your backstage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aye, useless. Yeah. Um, well, there's one backstage segment that I did rather enjoy was Riddle. He's wearing a shirt with a tuxedo on it and a an old school WWE blazer, which I'm sure... You really enjoyed it. They do look good, like the ones with the logos on. I'd wish Orton looks fetching it, in a suit jacket, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, so he talks about the RK Bronament. It's a 14 tournament to effectively determine the next contenders for RK Bro. In the What Culture archives, specifically mine, there are some criminal puns in the summary lines back before we realised they didn't really generate clicks. I'm, <laughs> I'm not so sure I ever assembled anything as bad as RK Bronament. I think I'd have been too embarrassed that Sidgwick might have seen it accidentally. And out of pride, professional pride, I was like, I can't do that one. Oh, I wish I could remember my best summaries. Mm. Oh, man. There's some kicking around. I'll try they're in the depths. There. They're in the depths, but they're there. Um, so Riddles tries to say it's Orton's idea. And I was like, this is this was all your idea. Uh, and then Riddle talks about Home Alone changing his life. But it says, tonight they're going to be guest hosts, guest correspondents. Uh, Orton says, I never agreed to this. Riddle goes, oh, typical Viper sarcasm. Uh, he's got him a blazer. Uh, it'll make him look really good. He wants him to wear it. And Riddle's got one of those old school headsets as well on. And he says, oh, I've got, I've got voices in my head. They're telling me to make sure you wear the blazer. And he's, and he's like, I'm not fucking wearing that blazer. Get that away from me. And he goes, come on. The fans really want to see it. And to be fair, they did really want to see it. And Orton goes, fine, just give it here. Puts it on. And f I don't know why this works so well for me. I just really enjoyed it. And I was like, this team's really quite over, isn't it? The blazer is a big thing because Randy Orton is a man that never wears clothes. Mm. <laughs> like, he'll come out and cut promos in his pants. <laughs> like, he's just never in gear. And you're like, actually, yeah, come some of that. That's fine. Like, don't let you see your body for the last 20 years, every week, three hours at a time. This is... Like, this is rolling at exactly the right time. Feels hot all over again when we thought it was dead. Could this be a Mania main event? I don't know. Like, they absolutely could put the title in this. And they've done it before. It's precedent for this. They saw it in Goldberg and Brock. So, Owens and Jericho lost their spot. They could transition. 
Like you can absolutely see Biggie to Randy Orton to Riddle. Yes. Like, and I, I don't think I want to see it. I'm just saying you could. This feels like all WWE doing things right. I wish it was doing it to different people. The only reason why I can't see this happening as the WrestleMania main event of one of the nights is because they probably realize we don't have got very few other grudge matches that we can build outside of the title picture. Yeah. Like they've built what I'm saying is wherever it's slotted, it's worthy of a big featured uh, mania position. There is one more grudge match I can think of, but we've not got to that yet. It, they may be involved in this tournament at, at one point or another. Well, we'll, we'll get to them. <sighs> my man. Christmas party day. <laughs> You better so, leave it. I'm putting you on my hey, shoulders later. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> up you go. What can possibly go wrong? That's good. That should be our photo for the day. <laughs> so, the well, first, I'm not doing that. The first <laughs> round of the uh, RK Bronament is AJ Styles and Omos versus the Street Profits. Uh, uh, what did uh, Corey Graves say exactly? Thank goodness AJ Styles has recovered from that. I think he said ocular injury from last <laughs> week. A miracle recovery. Um, Riddle's on commentary. Talks about how much he'd love to face the Mysterios. He uh, can appreciate a good father-son duo. And him and Orton have got a similar dynamic. Orton, silence. <laughs> He's just seething sitting next to him. Um, so Styles and Omos, uh, for the most part, are in control, dominating Dawkins. Uh, but he finally gets over, tags in Montez Ford, who just runs wild. Montez Ford's a future single star without a question, obviously. Uh, and he's also quite good at WWE comedy. He took his glove off before twatting Omos at one point. Um, Omos is furious at this point. He wants to get in and get involved, but... Uh, Dawkins helps Ford knock Omos off the apron. So Styles is, is still going after Ford, though. Hits him with a Pele kick and a nice brain buster for a near fall. Uh, he sets up Styles for the phenomenal forearm. But literally, as he springs onto the top rope, Omos tags himself in. Uh, Dawkins takes Styles off the apron. There's a bit of back and forth between Styles and Omos in amongst all this. But Omos says, I want to kill everyone, basically. Uh, so Omos takes down Dawkins. He goes after both of them. He's, he's twatted Ford, he's twat, twatted Dawkins, but he's trying to beat up Dawkins on the outside until Styles points out, referee's really close to counting you out, almost realises, tries to rush back in, but the time's run out. He's counted out. A count-out loss. There was another one on the show, and, uh, well, um, we may not have our say about that one if, I, if I, my predictions are correct, but this one is slightly excusable, and it, it feeds further into the sort of friction between Styles and Omos because post-match AJ yells at Omos and Omos just storms off. Can I just shock you? Go on. Omos wasn't completely useless here. He really wasn't like, I don't know how they've managed. Maybe maybe because of the bottom like in a turtleneck sweater. <laughs> <laughs> like last, like earlier this year. But I've never really got that Omos, who's a colossus literally of a man, it's like really intimidating or could really hurt me. When Montez Ford slapped him across the face, I was like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> he showed real fire, real great um, facial expression. For the first time, I really got a sense that Omos was like like bad news. He could really, really, really hurt somebody. It's always been very theoretical because, look, he's big. And he timed the countdown spot very, yeah. very, very well. Usually, his timing is laughably awful. But yeah, it was a good night for Omos. Yeah. Um, An excusable count out, this. Well, absolutely. It's serving a story that we've... That they've been, I was going to say that we've spotted, they've been telling. It's yes. so weird to talk like this about WWE. They've been telling the story, pretty much actually, you could probably trace it back to WrestleMania, but certainly within the last month or so, that AJ Styles is maybe taking him for granted a little bit. Omos is 
got a bit of agency in this team that he had all along, but he didn't want to show it because he's the monster, he's the giant. Yeah, it's, again, like, we're talking in terms of a WrestleMania card in December, mm. which I cannot remember in the entire time we've been podcasting together, WWE's had, like, what this means is it'll all have fallen away by April. None of these things will feel as hot as they did, but as it stands... Whittle you away! Whittle As it stands... Get hyped for Omos's WWE title run starting at WrestleMania Backlash. And I know what the thing is that's going to be the final breaking point, by the way. AJ's going to be like, come on, Omos. Hey, you know, I know we had our issues, but, you know, you and I were in this together. And Omos is going to say, yeah, you're right, AJ. We've been around the world together. Okay. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> Wait, they're not stilts. No, my feet are flat. <laughs> On the ground. So, ground, what? <laughs> so AJ was actually confused post-match because Riddle dives in there and, and asks uh, for a word on these breaking events. And AJ's clearly not in the mood. I love it. What is this, Caitlin? <laughs> he says, me and Omos are a great team, but you wouldn't know anything about that. And he storms off. Uh, and then in another genuinely quite good comedy bit, Riddle goes, well, there we go. A word from AJ Styles. Randy, you got anything to say about this? And he just gets the mind and goes, before AJ Styles realised that Riddle was talking to him, the moment where he's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were talking to me. He's class, man. He's AJ so is good. such a boy popper. He's the perfect boy popper because as we've said millions of times, he's an idiot. Yeah. He does it accidentally, but also he's got comic <laughs> timing as he, well. He, he could be a great sort of like, not that I would wish an injury on anyone, but if he did, if he transitioned into commentary for a bit to recover from an injury, he'd Christ, be he's so good. He's... Amazing, it's yeah. than Golden Soli last week. <laughs> um, right, we go backstage. To play? To play community? <laughs> uh, Becky's getting interviewed, talking about the, the main event of the evening. She says, well, it's a big night. For Liv, that is. Uh, talks about how it's the biggest match of her career. And hey, look, you know, Liv won the, won the match last week. She hit Becky with her finisher. She twatted Becky the week before that. She counted out the manhandle slam before that. There's a new bandwagon to jump on, she says, and this Liv Morgan trains are rolling, but the real battle for Liv is going to be fought within her head and heart because no one really wants Liv to win the title. If you do well enough, they cheer you, but if you do too well, they turn on you. She's the underdog who's never going to really reach her dreams, and this is a huge night for her, but for Becky, it's just another Monday. Again, they're sort of trying to get, please boo, Becky. I'm not trying very hard because... By depicting Liv Morgan as this wide-eyed, dreaming geek, the fans didn't take her seriously in the actual main event. So I think the storytelling has been actually actively detrimental to the reaction she received. It was weird, wasn't it? Because they did this to like, I know it's a heel thing and you're not meant to take everything that the heel says, but it's, it, you know, she's a respected voice within WWE. And this first this person goes, she's a bit of a flash in the pan, this, and there's a bit of an underdog story. Just, why it? can't you just be a star? Yeah. The start on the rise. But then they had that video package right before the main <laughs> event and that thing with, with Lita and Trish bigging up, you know, a women's title match in the main event and the history of this. So it was sort of like giving with one hand and taking away with the other. I thought it, we might as well, like, come across all the build in this because there was loads throughout the night and that in itself is a comedy. It is calm Tuesday after all. <laughs> <laughs> I got that in the news as well today. Get yeah. it. It was calm Tuesday. Calm <laughs> Tuesday, Carl. Calm Tuesday. Uh, oh, Giant Honestly, <laughs> if you don't normally listen, because you think, oh, I don't really watch it or whatever, if you don't listen to the NXT Dubai oh, preview, listen today. because It's the best be, podcast we do. It's the best podcast we do, and it's going to be recorded about half an hour before we go out for the Christmas party. So 
and we've got games, and that's not just a one-off, by the way. <laughs> that's not a Christmas special. <laughs> it's a regular code. Sorry, you were saying that. But. Uh, what? Oh, yeah, this is good. Um, aye, this was genuinely good work throughout the night. I completely agree with Cedric's point. You cannot have a character who has got such authority with the audience speak like this about her opponent. It's this, it's a cursed thing in WWE. It's all they know to do, and it's a shame because Becky delivers these lines with real gravitas, and thus it undermines this challenger that's not really that effectively been built up. Otherwise, I thought the build to this was absolutely tremendous. WWE gets away with the idea that it, uh, that it is so disposable that everything we've seen in the build-up to this match can effectively not exist because tonight is the second coming of Trish versus Lita. It's this big deal. It's a prize fight. The proof that wrestling fans still receive this as a wrestling show was in the form of the silence that greeted the match. They cannot have their cake and eat it. Fans mm. will still watch the show every week and buy a ticket to something that has got continuity. WWE doesn't know that. They can just have one good night of raw highlights packages and the involvement of, what was it there, this time the blonde's going to win. It was the Trish Blonde Lita. was spelled wrong, but yeah. The, the Trish Lita comparison, you know. <laughs> but otherwise, excellent. It just, this match wasn't deserving of it and that was proven out by the response didn't at the like end. didn't like the kid in the video package as well, just for me. It was creeped me out that with the like, whoa, like wide-eyed watching of... Old they were trying to manufacture an angry Miz girl on this show, weren't they? Mm. Like, yes. over, overexcited Liv Morgan fan in the main event. Spoiler, sad Liv Morgan fan at the end. And it's like, don't try and make this young girl a thing. She's probably not bought a ticket to be that, but now the next day it's going to be this WWE market. Like, we're going to see highlight packages of the years in the Lion documentary about 2021 one day where it's like, fans were devastated with Liv's latest setback. Like, the amount of fans in the arena suck, but then they didn't suck no more. <laughs> one little, because they had one little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, moving on. Um, sad news. Uh, Orton announces that his broadcast days are over for now. He returns his blazer and just buggers off to leave Riddle. Exposed, let's just say, for, for potentially something that happened could happen later on. Nice little... 
establishment of that, I suppose. Uh, and then we got a US title open challenge, Damian Priest versus, God, how good does he look? Robert Roode. Uh, an open challenge. He was flanked, of course, by Dolph Ziggler. Um, and Dolph Ziggler runs interference as well. Uh, he allows uh, Roode to shove Priest into the steel steps and, and batter him around the barricade because he's there to, to, to help his pal uh, from, <sighs> from the dirty dogs. Um so they go to a break, they come back, Rude hits a blockbuster, Priest fights back, hits the broken arrow, but Rude comes back and he gets a backstabber, all these near falls going on. Um, Priest is just battering with his strikes and then Rude hits a spine buster for a two, uh, sets up for the glorious DDT and then they trade some counters until Priest, out of nowhere, hits the reckoning for the one, two, three to retain the US championship. Uh, yes, he got super kicked afterwards and no doubt this will continue, Sige, but... This was nice to have a match with Damian Priest where he didn't do the face thing. I love Melter and Alvarez. I don't necessarily listen to them for their raw reviews because they've completely given up on analysing it as a show. Fair enough. I'm going to use their cheat code. That was a match. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I am with you. I was pleased to see that they dialed back on... Um, I thought they were going to do it post-match with that kick. Well, but you see, he is feeding with the tag team, so he does need both Damien and Priest. So this get is Kevin gonna, Owens. This is going to cut. Just get his best friend, Kevin Owens. <laughs> yeah, do you remember this? We sort of... How did it even come up in conversation? I can't just, remember. Just unearthed that, like, earlier this year, like, Damien Priest's call-up was supposed to be Kevin Owens' best friend. Oh, yeah! Like, he was feeding with Roman Reigns, and Kevin Owens had to be like, Roman, can you... Have a word with the old man, please, because me and Damien Priest aren't mates. And that nobody would believe that. And that was going to be his obsession with bringing people up and going, you're friends with them, aren't you? What is that all about? And Owens, bring, mm. Owens isn't daft as he's looking at that. And like, if he hears Damien Priest's best friend in January, that's my WrestleMania match. I'm not fighting <laughs> Damien Priest at WrestleMania. <laughs> Roman, do something about this. Aye, it was, uh, it was like offensively fine. <laughs> this Ad- adequate. Adequate. <laughs> Uh, but yes, just, not, just, just just tone it down with the whole face thing. Uh, right, next up, we got uh, Bianca Belair versus uh, Doudrop. Skipper. <laughs> Fair enough. Count out. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. See, I didn't, because it's a Christmas party, I'm not messing them out today. I didn't even do the intro there to it. I just, yeah, bollocks. Straight up Because it's it. women. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the reason. It's a count out. If we had another count out on this show, we'd have skipped that. Inst- oh, uh, okay. Anyway, let's move on. Today's Vibe Star Review Review. By the way, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling you're related. A, you're a bad egg. <laughs> to us to review. Hey. Uh, then you- <laughs> then you can do so uh, by subscribing to us on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. Please do that. Or you can also do this alongside the five-star thing, though, because it helps us on the chart. Well, helps us stay top of the chart. Well, we're top of the charts. Um, but you do it anyway. Uh, you can also email a, a potential five-star review review to me, uh, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. This one comes from, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this man before, Eric Vasquez. Yay! Yay! He's an OG. Regular contributor. A day one. Because of the pay-per-view. Doesn't matter. Uh, He writes, uh, Hello to the podfather, the general, and the king. Hey, Murray hates that, by the way. I unfortunately don't use Apple, but I was hoping I could squeak in yet another request for a review. 
I don't think I could say much of anything that hasn't been said before about you lot and uh, Hannah, you've, how you seriously helped many of us over the years with all your sacrifices and genuine fun brilliance. Not sure if this counts, but the timing is perfect. He sent this 12 hours ago, by the way, boys. The timing is perfect, as it's something I've been pondering for a while. Could you lads review the What Culture Christmas Party from years past? Maybe a good way to mentally prep for the one incoming. Much love, as always. Cheers. I thought I'd start, please excuse this, Michael I'd start with a man who's quite infamous for the What Culture Christmas Party. That's one Michael Hamflet. Do you have any memory at all of the Christmas party? I, this is it. Like, I, you obviously mentioned this before, and I was like, just see fair memories, and I was thinking, just scene missing, scene missing, <laughs> scene missing. In the best possible way, obviously. Scene missing, next morning, limping from Adam Nicholas, also for this parish's flat, where I'd crashed for the night, which you know more than me, yep. because you had to carry me there. Yeah. Don't recall it, but like... We feel like it was a good time. It couples with, I think this was the same night of the story about Nicholas that I've told a million times. I'm going to tell it again in a minute. Uh, but we're in Lady Grey's in Newcastle uh, towards the, the end of the night. It, it, the numbers are thinning. It's your uh, demise. I, I, there is, I had a, like a recent Dadly point where things also went south for me in there. So well, I, I, I shouldn't next hours. <laughs> so rewind a little bit. <laughs> Adam Nicholas... We tried to do, uh, I don't know what the Americans would call this, a pylon, I would call it, or a bundle. Maybe they'd call it a bundle. Everyone jumps on top of each other for reasons. What a bunch of arseholes. Yes. Yes. We're outside the head of steam uh, near Newcastle train station, and we're all just doing a, someone, I think think maybe it was like me, Phil, Cleary, Jules, people like that. People getting carried on their backs. Chicken fight, I think they call it in America, right? And someone falls over. and Chicken fight. So <laughs> everyone jumps on top of each other, and we're all just, hey, jump on our top, jump on our top. Bunch uh, of bellends. Bunch of bellends. Christmas party. It would only the only year time it would ever happen. <laughs> Adam Nicholas comes out of the head of steam. I think he nips the loo. Comes out of the head of steam later, sees a pile of bodies, and thinks, well, I'm not going to not jump it's on that. But he takes a running jump at the pile, overshoots... His legs catch the top of the pile, so the only thing on the left to hit the pavement first is his face. And we were convinced he'd, like, smashed his teeth in, broken his nose or whatever. And he later told the story about how he was laying there face down. Everyone's going from gone from, hey, hey, to like, oh, like that. And before he got up to be like, hey, I'm fine, he sort of ran his tongue along his the front row of his teeth to make sure they were still there. Turned out all he did was get a slightly bloody nose and he tidied that up and came back out. What a top boy. He's a blessed individual, Adam Atlas, isn't he? He's awesome. Like, you know, normally if you play a song by the hit band Smash My Brother's Face In, like, you're going to be going home in an ambulance. I to, I, a quick check and find. Incredible. And I'm not sure if that was the same night. You might be able to corroborate this, Sige. Whether that was the same night or not of the infamous Ewan, who you may remember from What Culture Gaming and stuff, getting more and more interested in wrestling as the, the nights and the drinks went on. And we're talking, you know, uh, uh, it, people, no doubt every wrestling family will have had this conversation of, not necessarily, you know it's fake, right, but how does it work in terms of a fight dynamic? And you're there going, well, you know, the, the, the bumps are real. Uh, and, you know, when you see someone get chopped, for example, you can't just fabricate that noise. Sometimes, yes, there's the old leg slap, but a chop is a chop. And he foolishly said, why don't you chop me? And Adam Nicholas uh, chopped the soul out of his body, basically. 
Yeah, I remember that as well. His chest was something. I've got another anecdote Go on. from like what, 15 minutes before or after, which was like half an hour before the pylon, at which point I'd just gone home. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd gone home for this reason. Do you ever have the, the physical sensation when you're out on the pints where you yourself feel like the glass and you can feel it like up to your throat and it's yeah. like, I'm quite literally full of drink here. Any more goes in, there's going to be like a spillage. Yeah. It's just you feel it there. So I have. I hate it. I try, I hate I try and drink through it. It's the stupidest thing you can do. I just it? leave. That's when I go. That's when I go <laughs> to go home. Literally, the glass that is myself is full. I've done that before. A friend of mine calls it pulling the rip cord. She's <laughs> like, yep, gone. Bye. So I'm at this moment sizing up this like little half of sours that I've got because I keep thinking that. Oh, if I just have a heart off, that means you can just slowly, incrementally top yourself mm-hmm. up. Regrettably, this particular half served in the otherwise fine establishment of the head of steam in Newcastle upon Tyne. It's like a cheese beer. It isn't, oh. but it just, it's like, it's cheese. I can smell it now. It's like, what? It's every, what are you drinking? I'm like, oh, fruit sour. <laughs> yeah, it tastes like cheese that I'm drinking. I'm like, oh, God, I'm not doing this. And someone's like, oh, yeah. Hey, drink it. Like, I don't want to do it. So I have a drink. Oh, oh God, it's disgusting that. And I'm so repulsed. And some of it goes on my leg, and I'm thinking, oh, I smell like cheese. <laughs> so, like, I've got this cheese leg, and I'm thinking, just, you know, there's a part of you that's yeah. still. Somebody come up to you and go, oh, what's that smell? And you go, it's not even my cheese. It's not even my cheese. It's my half. <laughs> See, that, you've still I got. I can't have them calling me cheese like forever. Like, <laughs> you've still got that bit in the back of your head, just the rational part of yeah. you protesting, go home, you dickhead, go home. And then your drunk self is like going, no, no, no. There's a way out of this. You're too pissed. You're full of drink to the point where you feel like you're going to be sick and you stink like cheese. It's over for you. Get the last Metro home. You don't have to subject a taxi driver to the stench. That is you. How embarrassing. <laughs> so I went, nope, there's a way out of this. So I go down the stairs to the bathroom. And I look at that. Look at the, there's a condom machine and a hairdryer. So the condom machine's got a nice flat surface, Yeah. Wallet, keys, phone on top of there. Jeans come off. <laughs> shoes <laughs> off, jeans off. And I made my way to the... <laughs> I have no idea this happened. I yeah. wait, made my way to the hand dryer with the, uh, the cheese jeans. <laughs> and I just start drying them. But obviously because I'm drying my jeans, which I'm not wearing, I'm just stood there. <laughs> like 33, 34 years old. <laughs> in my boxer shoes. Father of two. That's it. Father of two, boxer shorts, that are salmon. And I'm just drying my jeans, just in my underwear in a pub. <laughs> Cheese beer, IPA. <laughs> in a pub toilet. In walks the worst person to possibly walk in. Oh. The constantly, always, immaculately put together Adam Nicholas. Oh, my God. So yeah. I look down at me. Oh. <laughs> and I look at him, and it's just like, he's a handsome bastard who's always dressed fabulously. In my it, memories of the Christmas night out, he's wearing a suit, by the way. And yeah. he just pisses himself off <laughs> because he's looking at me with my builder's arse out, my salmon kegs, washing my che- uh, drying my cheese jeans, and I take one look at him, and he, he's essentially the mirror I wish I had. <laughs> and at that point, I just went home. So to come back, so that's happened. Nicholas has then smashed his face, and he's fine. Don't worry about that. We end in Lady Grey's, and... You're in a bad way, aren't you? Yes. Yes. I I like drinking. But uh, uh, Sidgwick's description of the thing is true. 
And my belief has always been you can drink through it, and I'll sometimes errantly have one half of water as if that's going to fix anything at the point where <laughs> I can't even see. And, uh, well, I'm, I've got to give the story over to you because I couldn't tell it for trying. So I think it literally ends up with, because I'm very much like one of those, I don't want to miss out on anything, so I'll stay out right until the end, and then I know I've not missed anything. Stupid thing to do, but it's going to happen again tonight. So uh, <laughs> we all know it. So... I'm like, oh, right, well, I'm, I'm in, back then I was in, lived in the same, vaguely same direction as Nicholas. So he's like, I've got to get, get home. I'm like, all right, yeah, get this cool. father of two home. Yeah. So we go, come on, let's go. <laughs> all this from him. There's, and there is a series of steps out of the back entrance to Lady Grace. Three, to be precise. One, two, three, twist his ankle straight away, walking out of the bar. That's obviously... I didn't know how much pain I was in these to tell me plenty because I needed carrying home. I got up and love the bosses here. And that day after the Christmas party typically is this nice post-mortem where everybody just struggles through. It's a bit bad form to get the day off. Everybody, oh, you're a cop you get can the day off. suffer together with... Ben Roy Turner. Giant McDonald's, that sort of thing. Oh, everybody just sort of works the way through it. to the office before, yeah. And I was, yeah... Semi-responsibly planned to keep at Nicholas's house because he also lives quite close to the office. And I woke up not aware of the damage I'd done, but I woke up with the panic of, does anybody remember that Yellow Pages advert where there'd been a terrible house party and the guy's parents was coming home in 10 minutes? I hate being late. I hate it. And I look at the clock and I just see something like 10 o'clock. And I'm normally late o'clock starter and everything drops south. I just panic. I leap to my feet <laughs> and then can't and fall over <laughs> on one side. <laughs> and I, I'm going and... Fell on his bloody ass. <laughs> I think at the time Nicholas had like a different... He was coming in later or something or he, you know, was coming in for a half day. And I was just like, uh, Nicholas, um, I, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go, mate. I'll see you later. I'll see you later. And he was like, yeah, no, I'll see you later. <laughs> so I leave his front door. It's the first time I kicked over his platform. I don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, it's not even my flat. It's Nicholas's flat. I can sort of hear river noises. It's like, oh, we, yeah, because I know what you're talking about, his entrance. We yeah, went yeah. by the river. This What can possibly go wrong? So I just take a direction and walk for the river. And then I sort of look down and I see the entire of Newcastle's quayside that it stands between me and the office mm. and attempt to walk. And after I'm late and hobbling. And I think I'm probably panic slack messaging you at this point. Like, um, I was just glad you weren't dead. Yeah, just like, <laughs> Uh, I, I think I'd messaged our boss and said, uh, can I, uh, I do a, a half ten to half six, please? <laughs> for for related reasons to be out last night. So, yeah, it's absolutely fine. Just content. The funniest bit as well, just to wrap this thing up before we get onto the uh, YouTube comments. Oh, there's still YouTube comments. Don't worry. Um, I mean, I'm terrified about that in theory, but it's okay. No, it's not. I know it's actually coming. It's not bad. Is so we, one, two, three, twist his ankle straight away. And we're like trying to hail a taxi and we've got done the old, you know, one under each arm just so he can't put any weight on this crippled ankle. Weekend at Hamlet's. But unfortunately, he's not so drunk that he's just out of it. He's that in your ear drunk. No, don't. I can't, I can't, I can't listen. Come here, Sid, no, I'll do it. Man. And he goes... Oh, I love you, boys. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, but, I mean, it's 100% you, true, but it doesn't stop me getting out of shame. I love well. you, you. Thanks for looking after me. You, you're really good lads, you know. Some of the other people. No, he didn't do that. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was it's a lovely memory. All jobs, believe so, anyway, me. Uh, yeah, see, Raf's. I just want to finish with just mentioning Raf's because it's. Yeah, I'm going to take a bit of credit for this. Uh, it's a bar in Newcastle that I've adored for decades at this point. Me too. But people in this office rightfully so, are rather critical of some of my food and drink tastes because they are scummy. Um, <laughs> people here like nice things, and I don't 
do I resent them for that? I do resent them a little bit for it, but it's, they're like nice things all the same. And yet, by sheer fluke, um, it turns out one of our bosses knew and quite liked rafts, and we're leaving our first destination at night, and I'm like, uh, no chance of going rafts, is there? I love Rafferty's, that's got Rafferty's. And you get there, and there's a little booth. This is a nice plug for them, and good. I want anybody yeah. listening to this in Newcastle that hasn't got Rafferty's. Pink Lane, treat yourself. Very, very, very cheap trebles. It ends the night in the way that we've just described. And there's a booth at the back. And somehow, by a Christmas miracle, every year it has been the preserve of the yeah. World Culture Christmas Party. And I go in there all the time before gigs or nights out, and I still can't believe that somehow it's become a fixture when I don't think most people here would want to darken its door. I was, six, I was days of the year angry on that Christmas night out that we went there. Because it's happened to me numerous times. When I moved to Birmingham, no one told me about snobs, for example. Best place in the town. We went into rafts, and I've been there since May, and I've been going out a little bit, you know, just sort of getting my bearings. And I was like, why has no one told me about this place? <laughs> I've been going to stupid, like, Weatherspoons or whatever, and this is here, and does trebles and stuff, you bastard sort of thing. VK Blue. <sighs> oh. Anyway, should we go best, to the best jukebox in the town? Yeah, and get all sorts of like old classics and yeah. old compilations. <laughs> Some you can't get elsewhere as well. You really can't. Uh, stuff you can't find. <laughs> uh, so let's get on to the uh, YouTube comments. Once again, these do not reflect the views of myself, the Daddy Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling or the Christmas Party on the whole. Because I just thought I'd find some funny comments from WWE-based Christmas videos. There's a selection here. One of them was Christmas chaos. Where uh, this comment from Moobs Like Jagger <laughs> writes, <laughs> good. Do you remember? Remember this. If you can remember this segment. The one where Santa got hit by Alberto Del Rio's car was absolute gold. The way Michael Cole was all serious on commentary made me piss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a lovely, uh, lovely message from all the, all your favorite WWE superstars wishing you a happy holidays. Cardi writes, Steph should be there and say, like, Happy holiday, and then slap the hell out of the staff. <laughs> WWE teaches you to hate. Yes, it, it just does. teaches you to hate. Another, another suggestion, I think it's the same video from Louie. Becky Lynch and Finn Balor should do a Joker and Harley thing. Have Finn come out in Joker paint like he used to do on the indies and have Becky act mental. That'd be cool. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why? This is for Halloween. <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> so. He's typing with his left because what's he got in his right? <laughs> So, so final comments. Fused writes, see if you can guess what this video is. I'll give you one guess each. It's Christmas themed. Oh, God, who else misses this time of WWE? 2019 Christmas special. <laughs> pretty close. Oh, I was going to say Santa Claus. <laughs> Good Santa versus Bad Santa. Mark Henry versus, I think, Mick Foley, if I remember rightly. Oh, Jesus Christ. The good old days. Uh, final comment here comes from Oscar Spit. Doesn't definitely not reflect the views of myself, the Daddy Boys, or what culture wrestling. Uh, he says, Christmas! Guys, Christmas <laughs> is about giving. So, in the spirit of Christmas, I'd like to give Alexa Bliss a kid. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks to Eric Braskes for suggesting that. Very important bit of talk. There's there's a few on on that about Alexa. That's just a smattering of the comments. But thank you to Eric Braskes for suggesting that. Don't tell us them later. <laughs> Thanks, Eric Vasquez, in general. Yes. Love Eric Vasquez. Yeah, Merry, thank Christ- you. And Merry thank Christmas you. to everyone. I know it's slightly jumping the gun. Well, got, this isn't the last, last raw review of the year, obviously, but it's our yeah. Christmas party today, so it felt apt. But if you want to suggest something more 
short crap and wrestling related, what culture wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, leave us a five star review. How, on how long's left? I'm freezing. Yeah, uh, how are we looking? Miss TV. We're podcasting through storms. There's a fair few bits. Like, I just quick, I want to drink. <laughs> I want a drink. <laughs> Uh, what culture wrestling on iTunes? Leave us a five star review, or you can email it to me as I said, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Uh, right, let's get back to Austin and McMahon. Uh, <sighs> Austin Theory's gone in to see Vince. Uh, Vince says, How are you doing? He's like, Yeah, yeah, great. And he's like, No, remember what I taught you last week. When someone asks how you are, they don't give a toss. Uh, and he says, uh, I've got some good news, actually. Uh, I'm putting you in a match tonight. Theory's like, Oh, great. And he goes, Were you expecting that? And Theory says, No. And he goes, It's not Saying about expecting the unexpected last week, you learned nothing. That's the weirdest. And then Vince just looks pissed off, and then this segment ended. (laughs) They're trying to make as many segments as they can where people want to put the Brazzers logo in the bottom corner. Take your top off. Take your top off. That wasn't even. Yeah, we haven't got that yet. It's just. Oh, you're in a match tonight. Are you you excited? Yeah. Did you expect it? No. Fuck. (laughs) 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 These are incredible. What is happening here? I don't know what's going on. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, right, time for Edge on Miss TV. Miss comes out and says, oh, but you suppose you're wondering where my gorgeous wife is. She wouldn't come to a place like Memphis. Uh, but he said he'd rewatched the segment with Edge last week, and he uh, couldn't believe he actually got a compliment from Edge in there. I uh, thought maybe Edge was a shell of his former self. Um, so this brings out Edge, of course, and he says, you know what? No, I, I remember what I said last week about you, Miss. And Miss said, oh, maybe the rated R superstars lost his... Edge. Edge. Uh, Didn't MGF say that he was PG Punk? And now it's the same thing. Like PG Punk isn't even that good a line, is it? It's not meant to be. Oh, is he? All right, okay. So, uh, Miz said, look, the old Edge would have speared me right out of my nine grand shoes, but instead he just sounded old. And Edge took the piss about spending that money on shoes and then flaunted his shoe. I don't get shoe patter. It's Always pass me by this. My shoes are better than your shoes. They're just the young books or rich dickheads are allowed to do this. Yes, I get mm. that. Edge isn't. He's like, my Jordans look better than your nine. I don't give a toss. Just shoes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said to Miz, don't mistake my kindness for weakness, though. Uh, and Miz said, well, I could have you your kindness years ago when I got kicked out of the locker room. We all know because it wasn't because wasn't I was eating chicken. Because people hated me. They, they were worried, you know, just like you were about protecting their spot from someone who's... Because Chris clearly, Benoit was mad. <laughs> <laughs> What's the subtext? Uh, someone who clearly has the it factor. He said he doesn't want or need any kindness anymore. And Edge said, don't paint me with that brush. In fact, it was in this arena that I pulled you aside and told you you got something, but you brushed me off. I went through the same things that you did earlier in my career, but the difference was that I didn't enter the locker room thinking I deserved better. He said, I look forward to always wrestling new talent. I'm not interested in holding people down. You're an ass, he said. Um, But Miz said, look, I've surpassed you, Edge. 2022 is going to be the year of me, effectively. And I'm going to beat you at the Summerfest. No, he actually said, I'm going to beat you at Jan 1. And I was like, that's not what it's called, Mike. Uh, But Edge accepts his challenge. Uh, and says, you know what? I mean, yeah, I'll fight you at day one, but we're both here right now. Well, let's not have a fight now. And Miz says... No, and he says, starts talking about, you know, I'm not scared of you or whatever, and Edge fakes punching him and Miz falls flat on his ass. Thoughts? So the feud that reeks of 2010, which, let's face it, wasn't the best year, is now premised on an interaction that took place in 2006. (laughs) (laughs) How could I possibly care less? Yeah, this was 
like bad material reasonably well delivered by two people that have just got this WWE cadence down pat. Miz never, Miz has told the story a bazillion times and used it in a bazillion promos, but he never ever does it so much that you ever get sympathetic for him. Like even when, he, like he was in the, probably the prime in terms of his promo, like and he did that promo where he walked from the locker room to the ring. At no point did he want you to be sympathetic for him and say, oh yeah, you really have survived. He just does it as a way to shove it in people's face, but it all felt a little bit tired. I think we talked about this in the preview yesterday. They did the best possible job of an only okay thing last week. They made you just about interested mm. in the Miz versus Edge, which is not this captivating pairing. There's nothing else left for them to do. So it's going to be retread stuff. It's going to be 2006 stuff. It's going to be, hang on, why was nobody that bothered about seeing us fight when we were 10 years better than we are now? Like, that's the question that cannot be asked here. Not, Miz is going to dress his edge, isn't he? And be like, we'll be back or something. Well, uh, oh, if Miz does the forehead vein promo as a piss take, that will save this feud. Just like stands in the corner rubbing his hands through this wig going, Miz, 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 I need it, I want it. Like, yeah, it's... This is fine, but there's a reason why it's why there's two things on the show that we've mentioned that could theoretically get to WrestleMania, and this would have never stood a chance of making it. Mm, exactly. Uh, right, then we get a, a backstage interview with Liv Morgan. Uh, she says, look, uh, I think Lynch is afraid of me. Ever actually does want me to win tonight, uh, and Lynch is used to getting what she wants, but I'm going to take everything from her, including the Raw Women's Championship tonight. Uh, and then we're reminded that Veer Mahan is still, he's coming, he's still coming. Uh, and then we get the other match, uh, the other semi-final, I suppose, of the RK Bronament, uh, Alpha Academy versus the Mysterios. Uh, well, I say that. I should just say Chad Gable of the Alpha Academy versus one of the Mysterios because it was only Dominic versus Chad in this match. Um, <laughs> brief match. Chad, you know, is a brilliant wrestler, so he wrestles uh, Dominic down to the floor and he puts him in a half crab. He's targeting the leg. He gets a dragon screw leg whip out of the corner. Goes up top for a moonsault, though. Misses it. Dominic catches him, rolls him up. One, two, three. The Mysterios advance to the final to face the Street Profits. Post-match, Riddle comes in to interview Alpha Academy, uh, but Otis, who's not done anything, grabs him and slams him because Randy's not there to protect him. I'm not that much of a selling snob. When people... This is probably like a bad cell phone on my part, but when people say, oh, I like this match, but like some of the selling was just inconsistent, I'll be like, that was not glaring to me to be honest, I'm not that much of a selling snob. Uh, maybe I should be. Dominic Mysterio pissed off not selling like Dragon School. It looked awesome, and like two seconds later, he's just magic and back up. Like Tanahashi, when I watch Tanahashi, <laughs> I become a selling snob. When I'm reminded of Tanahashi, mm. don't piss me off. And the thing is, he's out there with Gable in something that is more of a singles match dressed up as a tag one to get better, to develop his quite poor phone and wernals. And that's an example, a perfect example of it. This was a nothing match. And Master Chad has taught Otis well because it's not, you don't get a title shot by winning the tournament, do you? You get it by targeting the champions. They've been eliminated and will absolutely get a shot before the winner of the tournament final next week. Like mm. the Alpha Academy have just leapt into the Catbird. Good, they deserve it. I love the Alpha Academy. I mean, they should have won the tournament. That's the point of all this. Like they're more over. Yeah. I, it's I'll, a shame because they've really tried hard, I think, with these lot. Again, it's well, they need the bloody bloodline took their hand gesture. They were doing the ones thing first, bastards. No. This this is faint praise, maybe, but I just like it when WB thinks even a little bit by as you pointed out earlier on Randy Orton leaving, and especially by Riddle 
interviewing AJ, they established the idea that that's what Riddle's there to do. It's not just he happens to interview a guy and gets yep. attacked. They've made this a standard thing before it's happened to him. So I quite like... And he's already said he's a fan of the Mysterios on commentary. Well, just the thought they put into all of this. Yeah. It didn't just come across as completely random and contrived. Uh, speaking of random and contrived, uh, Austin and McMahon are backstage. Uh, a theory's doing jumping jacks, and then the, uh, McMahon says, actually, you're not having a match tonight. Uh, he said, you're going to have to find another way to impress me. The next brother, did well, he didn't. He didn't say that. But Austin Theory did just decide to unzip his shirt and do some junking jacks, and that that didn't do it for Vince. What's he going to do next? Cure his labiagitis? <laughs> he said, "Try something else. Use your brain." Theory went. Got some it, smiled, scampered off. If he had a brain, he wouldn't have tried to impress Vince McMahon with his body. Vince McMahon, the one, man that once called Rick Rude a bit soft. Yeah, like the, did he? Yeah, brilliant. Rick Rude. Uh, well, we didn't have to wait long to see what his plan was because next up it was Finn Balor versus T-Bar. Um, T-Bar, because he's a big man, controlled Finn Balor for large parts of this, chucked him around a bit like an empty tracksuit, and then Finn Balor uh, caught him with a couple of sling blades. Coup de gras, one, two, three. Balor celebrates a nothing win effectively, but it was all post-match because Austin Theory jumps him, hits him with the ATL, and took some selfies. Couldn't care less about this. How's this... Expect the unexpected. It's like the most expected thing ever. Like, Vince, Does that make it less obvious? Oh, okay. Does he like selfies, Vince? Because it was Austin Theory taking a selfie with him first time. I, like, oh, I like the cut of that guy's chip. He took a picture with both of us in it, and he was taking it at the same time. <laughs> like, he's just he's been introduced to selfies. Yeah, I think so. Boy, around is that. Vince, he's gone and attacked Finn Balor, and then next week Vince's like, that guy who attacked, give me a picture of his abs. <laughs> he's like, it's just old people now, just like when they get impressed with stuff, you know, like, oh, Vince, can I get a picture? Right, who are you going to get to take it for you? Oh, I don't need someone to take it for me, I can just do it do it like this. Oh, Lich, what the f- what's that? <laughs> it cuts to like a point of view with the phone itself, and Austin Theory's put one of them filters on, it's like, hey, we're, we're dogs. I'm vomiting rainbows. <laughs> I didn't realise I grew on the <laughs> Anyway, 24-7 stuff on Monday Night Raw. Uh, it's 24-7 champion Dana Brooke uh, gets surprised walking, sneaking backstage. R-Truth and Akira Tozawa are in disguises, but they don't attack her because Truth isn't sure if it's PG or not. Uh, they say, oh, we could have got you, but we're going to let you go. And Reggie's flipping about and says, some bollocks. I, don't, I couldn't remember. I didn't write any notes down. I'll be perfectly honest. All I knew that he was chatting to her and then he got into Mina's way because she really wants the title now. The weirdest thing ever happened following this. Dana Brooke scurries off and Reggie neutralizes the threat that is to Mina. And he just like, do this thing where they focus on the way too long and they have to do something weird. And Reggie's like, that's what she like, eh? Dana, <laughs> yes. Dana Brooke's like, what the why? Was that the reaction? <laughs> that's the part. I love it. WWE specialized in the part. Just <laughs> News. <laughs> why have they not said cut? Uh, oh, like, eh? <laughs> before the main event, before that weird video package with the Reggie, kids like going well about all, all the old championship matches, we go backstage with oh, who was interviewing MVP and Bobby. Ah, that was it. Come on, <laughs> Die. <laughs> he asked Bobby Lashley why he attacked Ian Rollins and Owens, and MVP says, "Look, we live in an era where people don't face consequences, but that doesn't happen in Lashley's world." 
You didn't even mention Lashley during the title match. That is disrespectful, and those are the consequences. And, uh, yeah, Lashley reiterates that. When you disrespect me, that's what happens. He's a star, isn't he? Put him in that match, mate, a four-way. He is, but... Whenever WWE does a four-way, my immediate, like, I've got several WWE klaxons, and this is one of them. It's like, you don't trust any of your current guys to do a one-on-one <laughs> match right now, do you? At all. Aye. It's like he's there to uh, spear somebody through a barricade before Kevin Owens gets the big ending. That's the whole thing. It's like, Lashley's brilliant. Lashley's great. He will win here, and they'll say, well, he must be a favorite for the Rumble then. Mm. Just a way to insert him, isn't it? Uh, right, main event time. Raw oh, Women's yes. Championship on the line. Liv Morgan versus Becky Lynch. Like we said, they sort of really hyped this up throughout the show and the crowd, well, they just weren't at the level that you would hope for. Because she's been booked like a total outmatched geek. Well, they, we've said this across, like, an AW review just last week. And the bias is it. It's not on the fans to be loud. It's on the wrestling company to provide something that makes fans loud. You get kind of what you deserve in terms of your booking. Uh, back and forth early on, counters, cradles. Lynch just chins Morgan with a, with a right hand. Uh, but then Morgan hits her with a code breaker, suicide dive. Lynch fires back with a superplex that takes us into the break. Uh, when we come back, Morgan's sort of draped over the middle rope and Lynch hits her with a, a leg drop, but it only gets two. She gets more and more frustrated. She can't quite put her away. Uh, Morgan goes up top. Lynch pulls her off and she lands neck first on the turnbuckle. I don't like that spot because I feel like it doesn't really get that much of a reaction and it is a really iffy spot for me. Anyway, Morgan fights back, uh, hits an insiguri, goes for oblivion, uh, but misses it. Instead, has to transition and hit a nice sort of springboard spinning code breaker thing. That gets her a, a near fall on Becky. And uh, Liv uh, also then hits her with a missile dropkick for another uh, two count. And then transitions beautifully into the rings of Saturn. Lynch counters that into a disarmor. Morgan gets to the ropes, though, uh, and Morgan... Keeps going for cradles. Lynch keeps kicking out. She, I think she hit her at one point with a uh, with a version of Oblivion, and the re- the commentators just sort of ignored it because it didn't quite get the pinfall. Anyway, Lynch, as they are countering and cradling each other, rolls up Morgan next to the ropes and akin like what she did with uh, Charlotte Flair at Survivor Series. Grabs the ropes. One, two, three. Lynch retains. Morgan looks gutted, but I suppose. It's the best way of doing this without changing the title because you've gotten out, you've got a reason for a rematch, Sige. Yet again, they are so lucky that they've actually got a roster of world-class talent because if, in fact, this match does get a sequel at day one, which the beats of the story indicate is the case, they are so lucky they've got Becky Lynch because she got them by the end, absolutely got them by the end. Her storytelling remains brilliant in a way that, as Hamlet has already said as well, doesn't get enough credit because... Mm. I think this is the best run of her career. The, the narrative, She's never wrestled better. Yeah, the narrative is like, oh, well, this is all a total, complete bomb because she's swimming against the tide, everyone wants to cheer her, and she's doing things to get a booed and then aren't working because just so over. The reason why people like her so much is because she wrestles like this. Mm. There were so many moments in this match, really nice dramatic momentum swings, and as I said, the crowd really got there in the end, but like not enough to justify the lofty presentation. Just the little nuances where she was getting outclassed on the mat, how that sort of got a temper flare, and this is really well wrestled most of the way. The storytelling was so well done that it was like an escalating reaction of, just everything she did was informed by the two minutes that came before and the two minutes that came before that. It was just a really well-worked story match that the creative being as rancid as it is <laughs> yeah. undermined before the bell sounded. 
but I really hope that they get a hell of a reaction, a sustained reaction. Yeah. At day one, where this is presumably headed, because Becky Lynch did more than a writer ever could. Yeah, this was like far from a failure in terms of the Liv Morgan project, because I think she will lose again at day one, or certainly won't come out from this with the women's title. But they will look at this as a a success for Liv Morgan's character development, and they'll maybe revisit it in another year when they deem her ready or whatever. Um, But this was and remains the Becky Lynch show. Mm -hmm. uh, I like the finish. It's not, um, it's the third time that I can think of the market more. She kind of escaped the original um, Bianca Belair match, but she used it at Crown Jewel, the ropes again. So she's using the ring because she realises her best shots are maybe not as strong as they used to be. She's got her own insecurities from being off so long. Big time Bex is a front. It's very obviously an overreach and an overcorrection because she's not the man anymore. And that is like littered with doubt and worry. And one of these days, like I understand, you know, why... This is typically one of them, why don't you push to zero? But people are really clinging on to Bianca Belair being the one to <clears throat> eventually dethrone Becky Lynch. And I get it. It won't be. It's Rhea well, Ripley. Well, but whoever it is, I get the hope because Becky Lynch <laughs> is doing such a good job. I've made the mind up. <laughs> Becky Lynch is doing such a good job of showing herself to n- be not that secure mm. at the top of the mountain. Um, so she's Two matches at day one. Tony Storm versus Charlotte Flair and Liv Morgan versus Becky Lynch. Great matches with awful builds. Yes. I love... How competitive that's going to feel. Yeah. Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch are going to be desperate to be the one that people are talking about at the end of that. And I love that for the benefit of both those matches. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, there you go then. Uh, let us know your Let's thoughts drink. on Monday Night <laughs> Raw uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. And you can order his brilliant new book all about AEW. Hurry. Becoming All Elite, <laughs> The Rise of AW at whatculture.bigcartel.com. But if you really want to invest in something, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilburn, where I think I've just tweeted the tweet of the year. You've completed the app. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, and on iTunes, you can leave us a five-star review, just like the lovely Eric Vasquez did, uh, suggesting something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review instead of a god-awful Raw segment. Uh, and also, later on today, we'll be back with the NXT 2.0 preview. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.